0: Bum, 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 bum. You're listening to Tove, a podcast about the good place and Jewish ideas. Hey, it's John spira and Sari Laufer. Hey, Sari. Hi. It has been like a year since we did this. A lot, I,
1: it's, right? Maybe I just, it's that a little almost high holidays time of time of year, that just makes me want to dive back in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We have actually spoken and even seen each other in the meantime, but uh, but first time doing the podcast. So remind the listeners, where do you do your rabbi?
1: I am a rabbi at Stephen Wise Temple in beautiful and today sunny Los Angeles.
0: Mm. And even more important, today, a year later, which of the main Good Place characters are you most like?
1: Oh, I mean... And I think I said this the very first time I was on the pod, like that it does feel a little like every time I watch, I'm like, oh, it is. It's like the breakfast club ending. Like we're all a little bit.
0: Yes, I know. Um, but you got to just. You know, okay.
1: I, I'll one. probably say Tahani okay.
0: today. yeah, Because? Because?
1: Because I mean, I think, you know, I, we just had some training at work on some stuff. And I like think about the ways I walk through the world, you know, with with lots of. Of privilege and blessing. I would like to think I'm less like Tahani and that I like to think I'm sort of aware of it and, and <laughs> know how I walk through the world. But, you know, I think well, I'll go with Tahani today.
0: That's good. I think we're in a good Tahani phase too. In this right, series. that's true. And so I feel better. That's part it. of the season. Yeah. No, not that you should have to apologize <laughs> for that because we're all, you know, as you say, Breakfast Club. And uh, anybody you wish you were a little more like in the, the main troupe?
1: You know, it's funny. I I like Jason was always my least favorite character, has always been my least favorite <laughs> character. And yet watching him in the episode that we are gonna talk about today, like I do, and and I was just saying, you know, my daughter just started kindergarten and I like there is a part of me that sometimes wishes I could get back to that like child. I mean, he is child, like, right? That child, like like, you know, watching him in the museum of like just this wonder of like, whoa like, I've never seen anything like this. And so like, rarely will I say Jason, because he's really, but there is a part of me that's like, yeah, what would it feel like to experience sort of uncomplicated wonder or joy?
0: Yeah. Well, we are here to talk about fractured inheritance. You want to give us the summary?
1: Yes. Chapter 33, A Fractured Inheritance, written by Cassia Miller and directed by Beth McCarthy Miller I don't know if they are related
0: I was wondering I couldn't find it I also was wondering
1: in Nevada Eleanor and Michael confront Eleanor's mother Donna who faked her death to avoid fulfilling a drunken charity auction bid as Diana Tremaine Donna has established a normal suburban life with an architect named Dave and his daughter Patricia Eleanor is determined to prove Diana is scamming Dave When Eleanor discovers a hidden stash of money, Donna admits she kept it so she can run away just in case everything blows up. But Eleanor convinces Donna instead to stay and use the money to raise Patricia properly. In Budapest, Tahani tries to make peace with Camilla, but Camilla refuses Tahani's apology, prompting Tahani to vandalize Camilla's art exhibit. Tahani realizes that Camilla's primary inspiration has been their parents' emotional cruelty in forcing them to compete against each other. Tahani so embraces Camilla, who returns the hug and credits Tahani as co-creator of the exhibit, maintained in its damaged state. Eleanor laments her emotional distancing from others, and Michael reveals to her that she and Chidi were once in love. Hmm.
0: So, shall we fan rob a bit before we get into sure. semi-serious talk? Sure. Obviously, right off the bat there, we've got Tarantula Springs, Nevada.
1: <laughs> yes. And, I mean, all of the Nevada stuff, like, was just too perfect, you know, the, like... <laughs> It's a combo a Subaru their last joint and uh, the elementary school is like the was it the MGM Grand like hotel and elementary <laughs> yes. school yeah they did
0: yeah now as an LA person is this is this a theme there of anti Vegas or anti Nevada
1: no starkness? I mean I think it's funny like I actually think it, it's also like so the way that Eleanor talks about Arizona too like that sort of. And and look, I drove recently from Southern California to Northern California, and actually most of it is farmland. But like when you get to those like just tracts of like strip mall after strip, right? Like there is the sense and I, I've thought about it like, you know, when I've had the privilege, I've been in a long time of, of like traveling through Europe, you just don't see it. And like that doesn't. And so I'm like, there is that very sort of like, even if Nevada is not technically middle, but like you know, uh, not even middle American. It exists in Orange County, California. That American suburban, and like that is an underpinning of the whole thing, is Diana living the dream.
0: Yes. I think, you know, to do this cliche of the sterile suburban life, I thought they did a a good job. And Dave, the boyfriend architect, is such a great version because he's also a little He's a little edgy. Yeah. They're discussing the Hooters and then referring to the one, the first one ever made out of brick sort of (laughs) inspired by Monticello.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It was perfect. I also, I feel like I have to give a shout out to other co-hosts, Audrey Marcus Berkman and Rebecca Rosenthal, because the margarita scene just made me think of them because... We are the original guac bar enthusiasts.
0: Yes, there was avocados. I think referenced in her whole cheesecake factory.
1: Yes, avocado egg rolls. Ice
0: um, But also the the, the margarita situation. I was like, yes, I want
1: to be there maybe. drinking those.
0: I think in Eleanor's mom's speech at the school board about wanting to uh, about this military bombing test <laughs> site turn <laughs> turns, turns urban yeah. to give it the best education Nevada yeah, has to has offer. To offer. <laughs> oh yeah it was good um, i think my favorite thing in the tahani storyline was was camilla's description uh, explanation of her omelet bar. totally is, it's another thing i think we've experienced together yeah it's that's common, the omelet bar it's a, it's a yeah. commentary on the world's fascination <laughs> with subservience <Subsidience> consumption and, <laughs> death and right. pedagogy and right. i'm like pedagogy yeah
1: exactly i was like i actually i'm like i was kind of with you yeah. <laughs> for part of that but i lost you at pedagogy right <laughs>
0: That was a late night thesaurus day in yeah. the writer's in the In the writer's, in the writer's room, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Anything else tickle you particularly?
1: Camilla's always a little bit of a funny character, but like the spoofing of the sort of charismatic cultish leader when she meets Cheedy. First of all, I actually found it very endearing that she like knew the etymology of his name. Uh, and- yeah you know, but then all of your fears are now (laughs) mine. You know, that like being in the presence of a guru is funny. And and as I said, like, again, don't love Jason in general, but like, so here's a secret. It's not actually a secret, but I am not a museum person. Mm. I grew up in New York City, right? So I grew up literally like, 10 blocks away from the Metropolitan Museum of Art and went, and I actually love the Metropolitan Museum of Art, but I just, I don't love spending hours and hours and hours in museums. My husband does. He is an art history buff. I think he actually should have been an art history teacher. And so we went for our fifth anniversary, fifth anniversary, we went to Florence, right? And we had to like negotiate, Mm. like how long are we going to spend at the agency? (laughs) I was like, I will give you three hours. And he was like, I need like, 10. So can we do it for several days? I was like, you can have three hours. And so I actually found Jason pretty funny. Like, first of all, like, it's boobs. And I was like, right, because <laughs> how often do you just want to look at a, at something and just be like, it's blue? Or like, it's boobs? Like, I, I was like, yeah. you know, like, and, and, you know, it's interesting. I, I teach homiletics to my rabbinic school students. They teach like how to give a sermon. And you know, one of the things we were actually just talking about is you need to know what you're saying. I think the artist, Tani, is saying this is a statement on what was it? Subservience and was it capitalism? and Consumption, de- 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 death, consumption and death, and pedagogy. And in her mind, that's absolutely what it is. And there's going to be someone there who's just like, eggs. <laughs> right? And and so like, I, you know, I kind of love that. I did think that was funny as someone who's just like, it's not that I don't appreciate art, but I just, I'm like, okay.
0: <laughs> they also managed, I think, with the Janet part of that interaction where Janet delights in the fact that she knows how much money each right. of these pieces are worth, which in a way, it's like an equally clueless way or probably right, a more right. clueless way to look at All right. It's also uh, funny. I
1: hadn't watched it in a long time. And so like as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, wait, is there like a heist caper happening? Like is Jason planning some sort Right. like immediately? I was like, is he going to Oh, that's gonna be good. Be yeah. Me?
0: You know, it did occur to me, too. Like we should take that one. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and, uh, and I thought it was a little, a little step back for Janet, who has been getting a little more. <laughs> Right, more you know, human. Right, and boy, so where she is, she must have because I know. I think in the previous episode, one or two ago, we learned that she doesn't have the update to her system. So she, if something had been auctioned more recently, she wouldn't have known. She wouldn't
1: know. No, but she has
0: a previous history. It's like having the the world almanac from a couple of years ago. Right, the Guinness Book. Remember, world right, thing. exactly. I did love the uh, the bits where Eleanor has no clue about the children. How old are you?
1: Yeah, amazing, amazing.
0: <laughs> Buy her a crib yeah. or a car. Yeah. Good luck with your SATs. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. As I'm thinking now and looking at my my youngest kid who is 15 now and is closer okay. to her SATs than her right. crib, and I have to remind myself <laughs> of that. So shall we dive into a theme for this sure. episode? What you got?
1: I really found the Eleanor and her mother storyline sort of richer than Natsahani and her sister, though I think they're connected. I mean, obviously, I think the whole thing is connected. But I was really intrigued by two things, I think. One is this question of, is human nature fixed? And are we ever actually a different person? And and I, I think that's actually, like for me, an animating question of this time of year in particular, I'm assuming this is going to air sometime soon. Yeah,
0: we're recording this at least kind of about a month yeah. before Rosh Hashanah, Jewish right. New Year, season of thinking about that
1: that question of, are we ever a different person? Is human nature fixed? And again, I think in both, what are our motivations to change? Do they have to be internal? Or is there actually sufficient external motivation that can make for really deep change? And then the piece that I, so we have been working on a guide for the the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And and we are writing on the scholar Maimonides, a medieval scholar, he has six steps sort of of repentance, right? Of like what a full process of repentance looks like. And so I thought, especially Eleanor in the final scene when she's in the car, and I, I really was like deeply moved when she sort of said, I guess I'm happy that my mom changed, but like it doesn't actually repair the damage she did to me. It doesn't make up for. And I was thinking a lot about like, what does it mean to change without Shuva, without this process? If you change yourself completely, but like, what does that do to prior relationships or mm. existing relationships? Can you be in a process of change in a vacuum? And if you are, what does that do to, to the relationships with people around you?
0: Your question is making me think about someone I spoke to more than a decade ago, right before Rosh Hashanah, who told me about their own process of changing from some things they thought they were like that made them a bad spouse, and how the process of changing was good, but also really unsettling for their partner, who seemed to feel like, how am I supposed to adapt to being married to this person who's suddenly very different, definitely good, but also so different? I never thought about that kind of possibility before, where one person does tshuva and the other person in the relationship doesn't know what to do with that. It's certainly not the same scenario as what we have with Eleanor's mother. I think what you're saying partly that, you know, I, I might do tshuva and change, but is that dependent on my making some kind of repair? You know, is it still good tshuva if I can't or I don't, you know, right. somehow loop it back to, you right. know,
1: you know, I think it's interesting for Maimonides, certainly the work of chuva does involve some sort of restitution. And it's interesting, right? Eleanor's sort, right? It starts with actually a monetary, right? Like her mother fakes her own death to get out of a charity. Right? There is actually like a monetary component of the whole story. Yeah. I don't think they were thinking of that. But I think restitution writ large is not necessarily about money owed, though it could be, but you know, is sort of about how do I, how do I make it right? How do I, how do I zero out a balance to some extent, you know, and, and I think a lot about the the 12 steps also. And I think that AA, you know, friends I know who were in the program, I actually think the emphasis they place on making amends as one of the steps is, is a really deep statement on on what it means to really change your behavior and change your life and maybe really change who you are. That's my question. Does changing your behavior actually change who you are? Do we want it to? But either way, it feels to me like if you're going to really like sort of radically try to try to be different in the world, walk differently in the world, I don't know how you how you do that totally divorced from the person that you were.
0: I think that what's partly happening in this episode is that Eleanor Eleanor's coming to witness a change that that has occurred. Assuming things wouldn't go south, you know, without her having appeared in that last conversation with her mom, and her mom might have kept stashing the money you know, for the in case, but might not have taken it. And and as Michael said, or I think they were talking about, like, yeah, her her mom really did change. She's not. She's not. It's not only that she's not doing the things to Dave and Patricia that she had done to Eleanor, but but that she valued. You know, she got a chance to say to Eleanor like this this, uh, actually like it here. I like this lifestyle that I've, that I've come to. And that wasn't really dependent on her to, I I want to say like, there was this added element of Eleanor appearing, which was kind of in a way for for Donna, Diana, out of the blue. And it gives her a chance to, well, she doesn't even, I don't even think she apologizes, does she? No,
1: not at all. Right, you know.
0: And she couldn't, I mean, Eleanor is big enough to say, the way you can sort of make it up to me, is it's don't is, do it again don't do it again no. and which is only possible because she has already got this commitment that that all they're going to do they're going to help other people and they've sort of given up on their own whatever so she has mm-hmm. this ability to to give this gift to her but i don't think that donna's chuva, you know is dependent on on eleanor if eleanor never appeared this might this thing might still linger there so is the show is the episode trying to say like eleanor is uh last conversation with her kind of com- helps her complete this process, or would it be okay if she right. simply had gone on? Yeah. You know, what you were, the way you were describing Maimonides made me think about something I've been wondering about in, in his writing, which is that he seems to talk separately about confession, forgiveness, and tshuva as three things that are related, but but aren't all interdependent in a way, maybe they're a little intermingled, but they don't all require each other. And I think, uh, yeah, here's, here's, I I actually found myself with tears in my eyes as I occasionally get watching the show at a couple of these Eleanor reflection moments about, you know, I can never have back the, the mom that, that Patricia seems to have. And you know, that's, that's right. There really is no such thing as a, as an apology for that, is there? Right.
1: Or, I mean, Maybe there is. There is a, a world, I think, in which Donna Diana like is able to look at Eleanor and say, like, you you didn't get the best of me. And I'm sorry for that. But right? like I think there actually is a world where there's an apology. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's sort of that restitution, right? There's no way to make it right. I don't think you can give it back. I didn't see interestingly, like I think in the Tahani moment, it feels more like apology and forgiveness. It feels like there's sort of that moment of, I don't know if redemption is quite the right word, but, you know, in their hug, there is something there. Whereas with Eleanor and Donna, they, I think it doesn't feel that way. They sort of leave unfinished or maybe finished, but incomplete.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of nice even that the the Tahani Camilla part isn't An apology, so much as to honey saying, Look what our parents did to us. Right. Right. It's
1: a moment of solidarity, maybe more than forgiveness.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think if both stories ended the same way, that would sort of seem wrong both dramatically. But maybe there's an insight in that too. Well,
1: I think about when I teach the story of Jacob and he and his twin brother, who to some extent, by the way, their parents also pit them against each other. Right. (laughs) You know, Rebecca picks Jacob and Isaac picks Asav and they, uh, you know, and, you know, and then they separate and like with acrimony, right. I think they have this fraught relationship and then there's this moment where they come together and there is this like hug or kiss or depending what commentary you read, like bite on the neck, right. Like, and then they (laughs) separate again and, and never come back together. And that, that like, I sort of saw that in, Tahani and Camilla, right? Like it didn't necessarily feel like, oh, now they're going to be best friends and like they're going to do all the work to, you know, work through their childhood trauma. It felt like we are going to name this. We are going to like acknowledge this thing between us and like, all right, maybe that's enough.
0: Yeah, I guess if Camilla is the one who in some sense has to do more of the tshuva work, Tahani has been on this path of acknowledging her desire for acc- plaudits from other people and Camilla hasn't that that Camilla is the one who gets the the insight and then you know can begin to you know show you know sharing credit for the exhibit et cetera that's a that's a hopeful sign as you say of kind of continued solidarity it seems like there there are some things where either just because of this chance you don't run into the person in this good place scenario these other people are supposed to have died you're never supposed to run into them again right (laughs) so you have to carry that and and they bring you this this gift but otherwise you know if you don't even have the avenue of apology or restitution then then that shouldn't cut you off, I don't think, from doing tshuva. I think that's the that's the high watermark of what makes Maimonides work, is that it is it is dependent on you and your your choices alone. And the forgiveness part may be more complicated, but at least the transformation part is only Right, better. it's yours. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of intrigued now by how that Eleanor storyline goes. And, uh, and also kind of that twist at the end, because, you know, she, she draws her lesson from it. I've never been able to be close to anybody. And then uh, Michael says, well, (laughs) we don't get a chance to see how she would sort of think about that, that back. I don't know if that's even relevant to how she- No, I mean, it's an interesting question, right?
1: I think one of the questions like, again, that that underscores the whole series is like, are they changing? What is the real work of change?
0: So does that question of change for you when you think about it in either- Jewish terms or short terms or any terms require, does that stand outside these concepts of repentance, return, and
1: So you actually asked before if I had a text and, and you know, I don't necessarily have a specific one. I actually think Jacob and Aesop works kind of nicely with the mm, tahani, sure. but I also was thinking, right? Maimonides also says what is full tshuva? When do you know that you've, oh no, that's a lot. Well, two, right? One is like, if you're faced with the same decision. You make a different one, which feels like that's where we leave Donna slash Diana, right? That she sort of has the choice and actually maybe makes a different decision. Eleanor has said to her, like, here's how you do it right. But the text I was thinking of says doing chuva without changing your behavior. So the the inverse is like standing at the ritual bath, holding the thing that makes you unclean. They talk Mm. about like you're holding a sharetz.
0: A reptile.
1: Which I've always like loved as a metaphor of like you know, it's like literally like confessing as you're doing the thing you're supposed to be confessing for. And so I don't know, I'm sort of like, you asked, can you change without doing shuva? Mm. And I guess, I don't know, that's an interesting question, right? Because our tradition says you can't do shuva without changing your behavior. Mm. But maybe you can just change your behavior without doing all the other steps. I feel like that's sort of maybe what what Diana is supposed to show us is like yeah it turns out like you can actually make a lot of really significant inner work without doing all of it.
0: Yeah and and as you're as you're referencing that particular text which I which I love it occurs to me that the the Sheret's the creepy crawly impure thing is the the money stuffed in her bra and in her totally, laundry Totally right. But it really it it but it presents it not so much as a binary I think in the show which is that she really has done a tremendous amount. And, and it seems to me that in Maimonides, this particular example comes up in the, in the context of confession, a person can't really be considered to make a true confession if they're holding the holding the creepy crawly still in their, in their hands while they attempt to, to cleanse in the mikveh. And, and the cool thing that Eleanor is able to do is to make her say out loud, like, tell me what, tell me how you're living, you know, right now. And, and I will show you that you're what you're saying is i have decided to choose this life and that i love it and that's a gift even though they don't have the apology looking back moment they do right. have this you know and and doesn't confession really share the same word of kind of acknowledgement and and you know saying what is which i, I like. mean it's
1: interesting because look I think that Eleanor ends up giving her mother like the gift of grace. We don't use that a lot in Jewish mm. terms. Something that's maybe not actually deserved, but given. Right. Mm. I don't think Donna, Diana, like she hasn't done Shuba. if we're gonna like this
0: process of uh, repentance. You think she doesn't? You think she hasn't.
1: No, I really don't I don't think she has because I don't think she confesses out loud. I mean, I guess. I mean, but she
0: told no, she told Dave that That's you know, true.
1: This- <laughs> that's true. But I, I don't know. It feels like she just hasn't done all the work but she has changed mm.
0: and i guess maybe that's why mom just talks about the process of chuvah and then what is complete right what, right because you, know, you can have you can be sort of
1: yeah you can be you can along be, and and like, you know i think about again like i actually really do think the 12 step process has so much in common with like mm. this idea you're maybe never done, right? Like it, it is an ongoing, it's like an ongoing process. And sometimes you have to go back and like work harder at this part or work harder at this part.
0: So I think you introduced this question of, kind of can people fundamentally change who they are? Do you have a view on that?
1: Oh man, that's like the $64,000 question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like believe deeply, deeply, deeply in the ability to like change our behavior and change our choices that to me feels really clear, not easy, but very clear. And I just, I once heard, actually, I think it was at a Western Institute, someone talk about, I don't remember what they called it. It had a good name, <laughs> right? Where like every act you do is in service of your definition of yourself. So if you say, I am a runner, right? Even if you've never run in your life, right? You would say, I am a runner. And then the next day you lace up your sneakers, that is like a vote towards that person that you want to become. And so like, yeah, maybe if we keep, you know, voting ourselves forward in those ways, like eventually we become that thing that we have named. But if I say I am a runner or for me, it's always like, I'm going to be neat and organized. I am neat and organized. <laughs> and I record will
0: show that both of us have our <laughs> Zoom backgrounds yeah. blurred. Because Mine was because
1: there's a shofar and it was really distracting. Like if I keep saying that... And I do the work towards it. Have I actually, like, that is like an existential question, right? Mm -hmm. If someone walks in and is like, wow, your organizational system is incredible, like, have I become something different or am I still the same me who Mm -hmm. has just made choices towards this vision? I don't know.
0: Yeah. And I I feel like the good place feels a little moves around on that because, on the one hand, points are kind of an objective way of trying to describe that and sort of get out of that that question if you do the things you get the points and but they really seem to have in a way moved off a big focus on that. You don't see so much about the points. The points are referred to a lot in this season and even in season two, but yeah. we don't we don't watch them being tallied up at all. Now we have this theory that they can't get points but other people can get points. But yet they keep dealing with really character now and who who are you right. and, and who have you become. At the end of this one, you know, they they talk about Michael and Eleanor, how they each have become better have become different. I mean
1: And I want to name that I think, as you were talking, I was thinking about it, I was actually thinking about Jason, who (laughs) apparently just pushes all my buttons, that they own, in some ways, the change comes in relationship, not that they don't change for a relationship, I Mm. don't think, but like, it is so deeply in context, and within these relationships, that's where we see their change. And so, you know, is it that like we alone actually can't change who we are, but the relationships we choose and the way we function in them shift?
0: Yeah, and that I guess that, that I'm going to have to sit are. with that. No,
1: I, I'm that's... sitting with this question of like, can we fundamentally change? Like, uh, and and like, is human nature fixed? I am. I don't know. I've actually another secret I'm revealing is that I've never <laughs> done the Myers Briggs. Right. So I, I haven't either. Say, no. Oh, yeah, look yeah. at that. I feel like <laughs> you know. Or I have, I mean, no one can see this, but I have like an Enneagram. Oh, you can't see it either. Whatever. I have an Enneagram book, right? Like this, all these ways that we look at of like sort of categorizing ourselves, whether it's Myers-Briggs, it's the Enneagram. I don't know how to pronounce that. It's the five love languages, right? Like are those foundational? Can an I ever become an Ethan? Like can an introvert ever become an extrovert or vice versa? If I'm an Enneagram nine, can I ever become an eight and and vice versa? And like, is that the change we want? Or is it really like, is behavioral change what we're looking for? Because behavioral mm-hmm. change is actually what shifts how we walk in the world.
0: Yeah, and as you say, behavioral change in relationships and maybe even right. framing the question as do I individually or does right. a human's nature changes? Maybe that's right. the, wrong, the wrong frame. And like,
1: I think a lot, and maybe this is what Donna didn't do, or maybe Donna does do it. We just didn't see it in her, right? Like I think about myself as a high schooler and like, I'm not sure I was like the best me I could be. I don't know if anyone is in high school, (laughs) but I am actually fairly conscious that sometimes some of the choices I make, particularly around friendships are like, they are my tikkun. They are my work towards repairing that, even though it doesn't mean that I've gone up to people and been like, I think I I did at my last high school reunion, oh, I did wow. say to a couple of people, like, I might have been a jerk to you in high school. Wow. And I am sorry about that. But for the most part, like, that's not, I don't go around to people and be like, I was a jerk to you. And now I've started doing this. Instead, I'm like, mm, I, I want to be seen differently in the world. And so I'm going to make choices that I hope manifest that.
0: So you can call your new friends Patricia's and some yeah, of them will know yeah. what you're talking about. Exactly. One of the things I think even the show doesn't quite do is shift the frame of all this chuva or even all this point counting to to groups of people or even even dyads, even though we started off with soulmates and pairs. they right. you're still kind of evaluated individually. On your own. And right. and what's, you know, spoiler what's gonna happen, <laughs> you know, a season from now is gonna sort of turn on that. You know, what happens if everybody but one you know right. comes out and how much because the does the does that drag everybody down and in this season we're back to eleanor being the one i think who, who coming up a few episodes down the road at the end is going to sort of really face this question of, of can, who am i can i become the person this situation needs right. out of me and uh, i think last season <laughs> it was michael i forget which of the Which of our co-hosts made that point that last season was kind of when Michael stopped being a a demon demon, but then not only had to make a new choice, but then start to try to sell it to Sean and the, and the judge and all that. That was really the Michael is different. I think, yeah.
1: I'll name first of all, and I think this is all related. You know, every year someone asks me this question about the the cycle of the Jewish holidays and like why does Yom Kippur come after Rosh Hashanah? It's it's off. They've always sort of said, like, shouldn't it be like you do all the confession, you you wipe the slate clean, and then you start the new year? And one of the things that I always respond, and I think again the eleanor storyline and uh, is like maybe there never is such a thing like maybe there's not a clean slate like you don't actually erase what you've done or what you've been in the past Mm. but that's still part of your point right like there's a totality of of your life but not a like okay the slate is totally wiped clean i'm starting from zero and so for me that's always the answer to that Rosh Hashanah comes first because like you're still going to celebrate and you're still going to start anew even knowing you're carrying some of the baggage with you
0: Mm, I like that thank you
1: and the last thing that I will name and we can take it or not is like I wrote down a note about cycle breaking do we think Tahani um, and Camilo would break cycle right like do they have the like just how hard it is to get the tools to break cycles you know the I think it's what Ellador is like you're a sun-baked Arizona trash bag and I you know like and i know that because i baked in the right like this sense yeah. of like that is determined and and how do you break those cycles
0: i think in uh, in a couple ago with uh, mark israel we were talking about Aww. the jeremy bearmy episode and and he kind of brought up this thing that he was referencing particularly the midrashim about the the way the the holy of holies was created and how the The Torah seems to suggest that the golden calf, which was the real symbol of all the crude materialism, presentism, everything of the Israelites' idolatry, was burned to ashes, you know, all gone. And at the same time, it seems like some of that gold in another place appears to be reflected in the building of the, in the gold that's that's laid on the Ark, which is going to be there forever. And as you're talking about this, it makes me think about whether some of the pieces that we use to recognize that we've broken a cycle kind of come out of that. That that mm. that you almost have to name you use the name of the thing you were. You know, as Eleanor cont- continues to say, like I'm still an a, a, an Arizona trash bag. You know, while being also a transformed right, person, or at least and, transforming. Yeah, right. and which and which parts of that story are like the fun the fun things you get to laugh at that you used to be like and and which other ones you have to really put away in, in right. order to to break out so nevada is just different enough from arizona apparently i
1: guess <laughs>
0: <laughs> never having spent more than a few days in either place yeah i, I, also, I can't say
1: they're yeah. close they're near i mean they are neighboring states
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right sari great to talk to you we mm-hmm. will do this in less than a year
1: yes for sure
0: Okay, another episode of Tove in the Books. Thank you for listening. You can make sure to get all our episodes as they drop by subscribing in your favorite app. And of course, let other people find out about Tove by giving us a good rating or sharing about it on social media or just telling people the old-fashioned way. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Place T-O-V, or email us at Tove at ToveGoodPlace.com. You can take a slower or deeper look at the texts and concepts we are talking about at our website, tovegoodplace.com, specifically about this episode and generally about Jewish ideas. Sari Laufer is on Twitter, at Rabbi Laufer, L-A-U-F-E-R. And I'm John spira at at RabbiJS3, on Twitter mostly, as well as RabbiJohn.net with more writings. Thanks again for making time for us, and go learn more about something good.